You are listening to 88.9 KUCI-FM in Irvine. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, UC Irvine, nor those of the UC Board of Regents. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. You are listening to Mission to Civilize. Hi there, my name is Saho Malik, and again, like you just heard, welcome back to Mission to Civilize. This show, um, as you kind of heard from that intro clip, I, I took the name from uh, Don Quixote and Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom. I'm a big fan of Aaron Sorkin, in case you guys hadn't known that, uh, The West Wing, The Newsroom. Um, again, my name is Saho Malik. I'm joined by my two co-hosts that are um, gonna be gonna be with me, my, my Mike A and then my debate partner, uh, Tom. Tom Tom Bindewald, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you, sir. All right, and our uh, moderator, if you will, uh, through this quarter is gonna be Kanoilani, how are you? I'm doing great, how are you? I'm pretty good, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm really, I've been looking forward to today for a long time. Me too, me too. Yeah, how about I'm yourself? officially excited. Yeah, I'm officially excited <laughs> because, uh, again, in reference to the, the, the clip you guys just heard, uh, the reason we wanted to make this show and what this show is, we're, we're calling it Mission to Civilize because we wanted to provide an honest and real source of information that you can listen to in your car. That's not only accurate, but also entertaining, um, you know, some, you know, keep it light, but also keep it informative. And then um, also just kind of keep it away from the uh, the normal structure of news where you're kind of just getting the top headlines of the day. And where we're going to be looking at more of an introspective, or we're looking at one subject per week, and um, and every week we're going to have a different subject. We're going to explain the history. We're going to explain where it's at, why we brought it up, and we're even going to like how we can move things forward. And uh, I, I know a big part of, and I didn't tell you guys this, but a big part of what we're going to do is obviously try and get expert guests and stuff like that. I reached out to a few professors. So hopefully we'll be able to get experts in their fields, um, not only interview-wise, but even professors on campus that are able to help us out. Um, and so with that, uh, I think we should um, I, well, I, I think we should kind of introduce ourselves. How about that? So again, my name is Saho Malik. I am a sociology student at UC Irvine. I have uh, worked on government campaigns. I've worked on election campaigns for assembly, national campaigns for uh, federal elections, uh, presidency I've, uh, as a volunteer and even as a staff member before. Uh, my sociology degree lends me to my uh, public policy. I've been a government employee as well. And uh, it's a big reason why I wanted to do this show is to provide that honest source. Um, how about yourself, Tom? I'm Tom. I work at the University of California, Irvine in their... Office of Information Technology. I'm a proponent of fair and understandable and good civil discussion of key issues that affect us both domestically and in our foreign policy. And I adhere to the uh, policies of uh, looking after people's reputation and trying to be uh, as forthright and honest and, and caring towards people as possible when we discuss issues. Yeah. And one of the reasons uh, I love having you in here is because uh, this group of uh, people here is very diverse. We have a um, Hawaiian female or an Asian female, I suppose. <laughs> uh, there's a, I'm myself an Indian male in my 20s and Tom, 
You're a. Um, I'm an old guy. You're an old white guy. Yeah. An <laughs> you're an old white guy, guy who <laughs> went to college in North Carolina. So I but, think. Uh, but but lived in Vermont, and New York, California, Minnesota, Florida twice, and North Carolina. So you've lived in a lot of really white areas. <laughs> I've lived That's around a the lot country. Of vanilla. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I've lived. I lived in Dallas for a little bit. So I, I've got. I've got my a little bit of southern exposure. But you were. I lived in Sunnyvale. Yeah, I've lived like in French Cupertino. Vanilla, I've lived in San Diego. Vanilla bean. Come closer to the mic. Yeah, come 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 chat with <laughs> us, friend. Don't be afraid to speak. Um, so yeah, and uh, how about yourself? Why don't you tell people who you are and what you're about and that kind of stuff? All right. Hello, my name is Kanoi Villanueva. I am, uh, I would say, multiracial, um, but dominantly uh, identify as Asian American. I am an, now an alumnus. Oh wow, of UCI. Oh, yeah. I've known our host Sahil here for about two years now. We met in um, STES class, actually. Yeah. Um, I studied psychology and social behavior as well as social ecology. And at the moment, I'm working in HR. However, um, my purpose here, other than to just be a part of the conversation and kind of being one to contribute to the exposure of these important topics, is to, as he said, mediate but also, I think I represent the average millennial or average listener, average American, if you will, who may not know as much or in depth about these topics. And so what I'll be doing or my purpose here, my role will be to kind of interject and ask the questions that probably you have out there, you listeners have about these topics. I probably know as much as the average person about these topics. And so I'll be asking the questions um, based on what I would like to know, what I think the listeners would like to know and should know. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, if you want to feel free to keep keep us entertained. Keep, make, I know Tom and I are going to get like into our thing. Gonna so get I've it. seen. Tom and I will be doing the discussing and the research and the heavy lifting. And we'll make sure, obviously, all of our information is verified and sources are, you know, A1. Uh, but yeah, we kind of want Kanoe to just keep us lighthearted and not let us get too bogged down in details and you know, words and stuff like that. So, uh, but with that, you ready? Are we, are we ready, guys? Tom? We're ready. Kanoe? I'm pretty ready. Okay, so you're going to introduce our shows every week, so go ahead, yeah. All right, and for this week, I'll get right into it. In 2017, Hurricane Marina brought Puerto Rico to national center stage. It was the single largest natural disaster with regards to American lives, taking over 3,000. Today, thousands are still without power and access to fresh water. 45% of the people are living in poverty. And as of 2017, Puerto Rico is in 70 f $72 billion in debt, however. However, they have been struggling since they, their first request for debt relief in 2014. Puerto Rico has been struggling with their political status since the end of the Spanish-American War, as most of their issues are due to government inadequacies. And that is what brought us to our topic today. What is happening with Puerto Rico? Why are so many people suffering with no help? Yeah. All right. So what is that? Where does that leave you? Like, how do you how do you want to proceed? How about that? Like, it's, you know, you, you said you're the Amer average American and you just you just heard that. So where would you like to go next? Admittedly, I would like to just take it back to, I guess, as far back as it's necessary to fully understand the scope of all of this, of what what America's uh, role is, I guess, or what what the interaction is between Puerto Rico and America and how it's kind of come to the point that it has. Yeah. 
All right. Well, cool. Because guess what? That's what Tom and I have been spending the last few days researching. I yeah, know. Yeah. I was so, here for that. So um, we've decided that I will take over the history and uh, the beginning part, and then Tom will take over the current affairs and let's say how to fix it portion of the show, which um, we'll we'll call his. We'll be we'll be calling current affairs and, um, and that kind of stuff the last ten years, and I'll handle everything before that. So you ready? Ready. We have. We've, we're about eight minutes in. We've got about 20 minutes left of the show. So let's do this. Let's talk about why Puerto Rico is, or what's happening in Puerto Rico. What is the, what is the issue what, with their political status? Uh, Puerto Rico started um, as uh, an island outside, well, it's still an island. It's about 1,000 miles off of the coast of Miami. It was indigenous to the Taino people until Christopher Columbus invaded uh, which brought along the French, the Dutch, and the British. You know the typical colonial, colonial, colonizers. Um, and uh, along with that, it brought along slaves, uh, settlers from the Canary Islands, um, and that's kind of how it had been until the United States acquired it from Spain at the end of the Spanish-American War in 1898. And as you as you said. Um, we uh, we signed the Treaty of Paris, and the Treaty of Paris allowed Puerto Rico to become a Commonwealth of the United States. And I say Commonwealth because that's an interesting that term is important because it means it's not a state of the United States. It's not like California or Florida or Minnesota where it's a state, um, and it's not its own independent territory either. It's a very unique uh, political landscape that it's kind of stuck in the middle. Um, now they use the American dollar. They can serve in the United States military, um, but they we have a number of issues where they they can't vote for president. They don't pay federal income taxes. Uh, they don't get to. They also just at the end of the day, essentially don't get to make their own laws and decide what their what is best for their country. Because over the years, we have these uh, Supreme Court cases that are called insular cases. Insular cases are essentially a set of Supreme Court rulings that say it is okay for. Uh, the United States to continue controlling what happens in Puerto Rico. So Congress is in control of Puerto Rico and what happens. And um, now over the years, like like you said, we've had those struggles. We've gone back and forth. Uh, in 52, uh, Truman, as Tom uh, was so nice to point out to me, um, Truman allowed Puerto Rico to have its own resident governor that they elected. And they even have a... Um, they even have elected officials for every single district. Uh, they're not called districts in Puerto Rico, but that that the country has, and um, and uh, those districts allow, you know, the representation, but they don't allow for rules to be made and actually processed. It still comes from Congress, um, and that kind of essentially led us to where Tom is going to take over. But um, where what happens is we're going to see a lot of like referendums over the years, like votes are called uh, plus abysses, um, and they're actually required every four years um, with the the change of government officials in Puerto Rico. And basically what these plus abysses do is they ask the Puerto Rican people, what do you guys want? What do you, do you guys want? to Do you want state? And they, they offer four common options. One is statehood. Um, which means the 51st state of the United States. Um, independence, which is obviously straightforward. It just becomes an independent country and they do whatever they want. Um, the third one is a little bit convoluted. It's just called like a sovereign state where they're their own independent functioning place, but they're kind of backed by the U.S. where they're using U.S. foreign currency. They're protected by the U.S. military. Um, it's pretty similar to what you see right now with the Commonwealth. 
but the key difference being that they that they would not be that they would be in control of their own policies and that kind of stuff on the island but they would still have the the more limited backing by the u.s versus now where they're very backed by the u.s and incredibly controlled by the united states congress um anyways so i get off point but we we've had a number of referendums it doesn't seem like the puerto rican people have able been able to come to a consensus um as a lot of these votes have been convoluted and a lot of them have been found to like just a lot of empty votes a lot of empty ballots things had to be recounted um and the reason like you said we brought it up is because in 2017 hurricane maria came through it it was the biggest natural environment disaster in the history of the united states three thousand american citizens dead uh, thousands without water food in a country that was already struggling since 2014 with a 72 dollar billion debt 72 billion dollar debt excuse me um that they they asked for help for and that they're not getting it and um and uh, i think that's that's kind of how we kind of got to where we're at and i think tom will do a better job of explaining where we're at right now and um and from there he can also kind of tell us how we're going to move forward and at the end we can kind of just discuss a little bit how's that sound Sounds good. And so Puerto Rico has actually evolved in its ability to govern its own internal affairs to to a substantial extent that by time President Bush the first, I'd like to call him, enabled and directed the uh, through the executive branch directed that the US government would allow them to be treated almost as a state in as much as they were not a state but still remained a territory and under this special defined designation as outlined by various Supreme Court rulings as a commonwealth. So at since 92, they, they do have a governor. They do have their own state legislature, if you will. I, I use the word state legislature. No, it's, and, a, it's a good word, yeah. Yeah, in, in a sense. And, and they do have good representation, but as Sahil said, they don't have you know, a final say. So what... They what even have their own Supreme Court justices. Puerto Rico has their own uh, justice system. That's right. That's that right. Well. Yes, that's right. They are they are a functional republic, definitely in form, and not a sovereign nation in perhaps name only to, to some degree, or not a state in name only. Now, being neither of these things has, has caused them great uh, distress. Going back, I think, as far as definitely the 50s, if not even back further, people in the United States were allowed to buy bonds for, from Puerto Rico to finance their, their debt. And these bonds had special exclusion from, they call it like a triple tax exclusion. So no federal tax, no state tax in their state, and no taxable uh, uh, responsibilities in Puerto Rico. This, of course, led to kind of a reliance on selling those bonds and an ease of selling those bonds, which in and of itself wasn't too bad because the, the debt itself, the deficit, annual deficit, was not crazy. But in during the Clinton administration, unfortunately, they voted, the Congress voted, that they would take away the corporate uh, tax-free status from Puerto Rico. So think Delaware. Delaware is a state, and it does not charge 
corporate tax to corporations that reside in it. And we all know that Delaware is a home to numerous corporations, and I would say in name only, like a letterbox drop and five people. But when this occurred to Puerto Rico, over that 10-year period, of course, large institutions, financial institutions, other institutions started to migrate much of their workforce out of there. That depleted their revenue. Right. And that became, that really started to accelerate their indebtedness up to somewhere around $700 million shortfall per year right. over the last, I think, 10 or more years, which has resulted in that $72 billion debt. Then they went, and most states or most municipalities, you've heard of Detroit, for instance, went bankrupt. Now, it did go through, it, it, it went through a bankruptcy. It had some special uh, assistance from the federal government in restructuring, but they were able to declare bankruptcy. Well, Puerto Rico doesn't have that option. The, the Congress did, though, in 2014, 15, thereabouts, passed several you know, bills to enable essentially a bankruptcy. Other investors, so in that bankruptcy, they were going to require a what is called a haircut, which meant you own a bond and say you, you know, you had a dollar principal, well, we're going to cut it back 25%. We're only going to give you 75 cents. But keep in mind, you've been earning interest over maybe a 10, 15, or 30-year period. So in actuality, you're total return is definitely going to exceed the principle that he gave. But nevertheless, there was a big debate argument from from the you know the people that financed these bonds. You can also think of the issue that Argentina faced. It did actually do uh, a settlement, but three or four um, financial institutions held out, sued them in federal court in, in New York. And you can see that, you know, certain financial institutions hedge funds and large banks, unfortunately, uh, you know, constrained what Puerto Rico can do. So the the debt relief hasn't been resolved yet. Then along came the hurricane. Well, that's what I was going to say. Which just blew things out of the water. Well, that's what I was going to say where you were mentioning that they they brought in the, the haircut. That haircut never happened because then Congress just shelved the the the, the House resolution and, mo- right. and they moved on. And then guess what happens afterwards? Well, <laughs> and and I think it's important to note that probably the shelving of it or the or or the reluctance to move forward is definitely influenced by Wall Street investors. And 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 we had to say that in all fairness because it influenced, of course, what happened in Argentina. You know, this is where you kind of have this not so subtle ability to, you know, control outcomes because you get yourself in debt, especially dollar-denominated debt through U.S. institutions. And, of course, Puerto Rico is hemmed in more than, say, another country. And and that, of course, also speaks to a greater reliance that our American political system has on financial institutions and, like, the political system. We're not going to get into that. No. That's that's another But it does bring – I think it brings up the the moral moral prerogative of of the country is that we have to look beyond that and we have to say – 
these people are U.S. citizens. They've been granted U.S. citizenship. They are allowed to to live anywhere in the United States that they wish. There is an outflow of they're population. Al- they're allowed to. They, not, they're not just allowed. They serve actively in the United right. States military. They, they are U.S. citizens. They are U.S. citizens. They're U.S. citizens for about seventy-five percent of it. And not only do they can they move into other cu- countries, but in two thousand seventeen, states. Uh, yeah. yeah, other states. Excuse me. Um, in 2017, after the hurricane, 200,000 people moved to the state of Florida. Right, right. That's a well, huge, you, well, you ma- have that's to. a huge you exodus. Have, you have to. Yeah, and they, I mean, of course, they had no you, choice. You have they, no choice. Their country has been completely ravaged. Well, your home's gone, your schools are gone, your infrastructure's you, your gone. FEMA's and not area. helping. Well, you can't. How? I mean, let's let's face it. You can't undo such a huge tragedy. Right. And no matter how much money you pour into it, you're looking at, you know, minimum two years maybe as much as a decade for for some places to come back together and obviously hey you know as george kennison's joke about living in the desert you know you live in a desert so you know you live in in a place that's unfortunately been destroyed you got to move and they did so they did the right thing um I think we can take this real quick as a moment to just stop it real fast and let our listeners know that they're listening to 88.9 KUCI FM in Irvine. You're listening to Mission to Civilize. Our discussion for the week is the political status of Puerto Rico. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Kanoilani and Tom. My name is Sahil. Uh, I was just explaining the history and background of how we acquired Puerto Rico and where it's kind of come. Tom just got done explaining us kind of the more modern current affairs and how things have gotten so bad in Puerto Rico leading up to the hurricane in 2017 that Kanoe was so nice enough to describe for us. Um, we have about nine minutes left, and I think that is kind of the perfect time to not like pivot to a segment or anything, but kind of just leave this area open for discussion. And also, yeah, do you let you moderate? Awesome. So uh, just going off of the direction of the conversation, I did have a question that uh, rose to me, which is how different would you think or both of you take a take a turn different stance on it or even even just uh just bear what you really feel and think um how different would you say the outcome would be um post hurricane maria had they received the debt relief in 2014 would it differ would it depend on how much relief they would receive would it what do you think about that okay that's a good question i think i'm gonna let tom go ahead first because i'm gonna collect my thoughts for a second well, I, I think debt relief should have happened, and and it didn't happen for reasons that have occurred not only to Puerto Rico but to other other countries like Argentina and other countries that find themselves in debt to people around the world. Okay, so I guess my my answer to that is I don't know if necessarily if the debt relief would okay first it would have been a huge benefit to the actual people living in Puerto Rico because like you said I think you I don't think we mentioned it, even twelve point five percent of people are unemployed as long as as well as with a forty five percent unemployment or excuse me poverty rate so I think that would have been great for the people of Puerto Rico I don't necessarily think so much is that it would have been useful during the hurricane because the problem at that point was that it didn't have the access to one take care of itself and then two get the help from the the u.s that it needed as the state would be able to so kind of hearkening off of what you said when you were kind of filling us in on the current affairs they don't have the access and the right to pull on fema's sources and say hey we need federal relief and aid Um, now of course the president and 
can do more and urge FEMA and the Red Cross to help, which of course no one expects Donald Trump to do. But but they did actually. They did. They did. And they did. In. They did. But I mean, again, there's. The, the, I mean, the water right now is so poor that like uh, under like U.S. laws, like they would be in the state, like they would be. They w- it would be illegal for those people to be drinking that water because it's so poor. So they've done stuff, but the reason that, according to what you're saying, I I think. This this issue has been something that's been building for a long time. It, the fact that it hasn't been a state well before this is what stopped it from getting the access to federal money. And so, yes, this was a terrible event, like Tom said. But to rebuild and get that help, I think that could have been negated with by if we had changed policy on Puerto Rico a long time, a long time ago. I mean, the the crippling debt it just made the situation a thousand times worse because they just they don't have the access to go rebuild anything now like that's why they still don't have water they still don't have power because along with the fact that they can't get access they are also in crippling debt so you know what i mean like imagine you're broke and your house is burned down right like it, house burning down is bad enough but being broke to begin with so you can't rebuild it is makes it a lot worse and right? and, and you're physically Oh yeah, and by the way, yeah, you're, you're not allowed to make the decision if you want to rebuild right. your house or not. You got to go ask 435 people and 100 senators if that you can even rebuild your house after it's burned down. And you got two broken legs. Yeah, literally. Yeah, you and you started the journey to like, to begin with with two broken legs because you were in debt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and your house burned down and you can't you can't fix anything. And you, as it's burning down, you're like, I hope someone comes by with the hose, but because you wouldn't let me have access to the hose before. I don't have access to the hose now. Gotcha. Does that make sense? I know it's a stupid analogy. No, no, it makes sense. It does. Where, where does that, okay, where does that leave you? How do you feel about this as someone who didn't know that much about Puerto Rico? It makes me pretty surprised, but also not surprised that, um, how can we have such a big foot on their territory and such a big say in their lives and give them no voice or like so little, so little to do with their own, um, their own territory with their own people and then we we come in all like big chested saying like we'll we'll help you in this sense but only when we feel like it to the degree that we'd like and when you need our help like so then what so i guess that leads me to a question for tom tom how much do you think a lot of what's happening in puerto rico right now is just lack of you the united states congress's ability and willingness to like get up and like have decisive action well, I I think that the Congress has given them at times uh, an opportunity to state what they'd like to do, and at the same time, they've been ambivalent. Yeah, and sometimes they haven't been great either, and, right? and sometimes harmful. But the the key thing is going forward, they have to make a choice. Now is the time they have to make a choice. They Puerto Ricans, people in you know the U.S. Congress, we had to determine: do we make them a state and get them out of debt? and restructure their debt, because you can do that as a state. Do we, you know, sell them off to Spain? <laughs> and I and I don't mean that foolishly. I mean, you know, do you, do you hand it back to Spain? Does Spain take them back? Do they become an independent nation? Let's look quickly at what happens. If they become an independent nation, they're they're beholding to their debt, and they, they, they need a benefactor to get them out of that. If they become a state, they can reorganize just like any other state, which makes life easy if some other country takes them on it's just like being acquired uh, you or know, so in, in this, someone has uh, to take so on their uh, debt in, in the sovereign state scenario that we explained right. earlier where they basically have backing from another country which in this scenario would again most likely be the united states because right. that's who they've had their relationship with 
uh, this entire time. So um, we've got about two, three minutes left, and we're going to have a little bit of outro music for you guys as well. Tom has been gracious enough to pick out some awesome tunes for the middle of the day because I only know rap and hip-hop, so Tom has picked out some great music. But um, I guess I wanted to wrap it up uh, by saying they're now the, la- the like two of their more famous uh, governors, uh, Annabelle uh, Acevedo and Ricardo Rossello. Um, Acevedo being the... Um, Excuse me, Rusillo being the current governor, and so you've got Acevedo saying that he didn't want statehood because he believes that it was uh, furthering like imperialism, and then you have Ricardo Rusillo who's saying that he does believe he wants statehood because of the ability to restructure and get that formal government, you know, procedures, bureaucracies, buildings, and that kind of stuff in place. Um, and so, what do you think? How do you? How do you? What do you think is best for the people and like moving forward? Well, their options, as I stated, are what they are, and. Uh, Obviously, I mean, be, I, I, being a state will will make it the easiest. Right. I, I just got to be, you know, yeah. you become a state, it's pretty smooth sailing. And, and again, this is like our Relative. personal opinion to wrap it up. But, you know, like becoming an independent country is going to be really tough because they don't have a lot of natural resources. Uh, becoming a sovereign state where they're kind of backed by the U.S. is a less a limited, a limited version of, their, of the issue that they're in now. Staying in Commonwealth, clearly not working. And that really only leaves to me one clear coherent solution that uh that that can they can take forward which is adding another star to the to old glory yeah 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 how do you feel wrap us up take us out all right so i feel very informed thank you all thank you both for that if i were a listener i would definitely walk away kind of wanting to know more not like not that it this wasn't informative enough that not that i would didn't touch base but this is only a glimpse into what it really means and what it really is uh, regarding the um, the events that we only grazed. Um, to fully understand and really grasp the situation, uh, all the politics behind it, all the events that led up to it, as well as what's going on currently, this is just to get the conversation started. So I hope you all out there um, kind of continue on this conversation. And obviously, you can call in if you if you want to have that conversation with us. Oh, of course. Okay, so that's it. And for uh, Tom, Kanoe, and myself, Sahil, I'm going to wrap up and say goodbye. This has been Mission Civilized on 88.9 KUCI FM in Irvine. We will see you guys next week, and we look forward to it. Thanks. Bye-bye.